So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. I'm your host. Hi, <laughs> I'm just a person and my name is Ben Hartley. I, sometimes I start these podcast episodes at like an 11 and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just dial it back. Uh, I'm Ben and I'm a wedding photographer out in Columbus, Ohio. And I record these podcasts to help you guys grow your business. Now, before you go any further, I want you to actually pause this episode and I want to invite you over to my mastermind group. Now, this is uh, the place that I hang out in Monday through Friday. There's a community of, of over like 14,000 photographers in this space. And right now, this podcast that you're listening to, um, there's a video of it. And so if you want to learn about jumping into outdoor and adventure photography, if you want to actually like see Ange Percival, uh, if you want to see comments, and, and engage with me in that way where I can actually like reply back, then join that community. Uh, you can get access by going to benhartley.com forward slash workshop. It's a free space. It's a, it's a free community, but it's really the place that I hang out and uh, out in all the time. And so, okay, now you can, uh, you can unpause and we'll get back into the episode. So today we're talking about outdoor and adventure photography. And I got Ange Percival with us today. She is located out in the West Coast, BC. And outdoor and adventure photography have been, um, what she's been up to um, both personally uh, and as like a senior photographer for ARC for the last decade. This is the thing that I absolutely love. And I gotta, I'm really curious about, you know, Everyone's got accolades. Everyone's got like badges and awards and places you've been published. But Ange, she was called one of the top nine wedding photographers that you should know about from National Geographic. And that's this, this is where I'm like, okay, maybe we should put this into some context. There's like some relativity. It's like, you know, that's incredible. That's wild. I can't wait to talk about this because, you know, for many of you, you know, I, I, I am a portrait photographer, a wedding photographer, and so the outdoor and adventure space is something that I'm so curious about, and I know you guys are too. And so, Ange, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thanks so much. That's such a good introduction. I will just say one thing. You said best wedding photographers. It's been, it was the top nine 
female adventure photographers. See, this is my, this is the thing. It's like, my brain is just like, oh yeah. Wedding photography, portrait photography, wedding photography, port yeah. Thank you. I'm so honored because I would love to think I'm at the top nine wedding photographers. I really appreciate you correcting me on that. So, so then let's jump into this a little bit. Um, you know, this is something that I've seen a, a, um, an insurgence of and an explosion of interest in, um, like I, I think especially with the small weddings and elopements that are kind of happening more and more because of COVID, I think there's been this um, uprising in the idea of like adventure photography. And now again, I, I'll just, I'll call it, you know, being a wedding photographer, for me that translates into an interest in like adventure elopements, that kind of thing. Um, but nevertheless, even if it's just adventure and it's just outdoor photography, Photography. I think overall, I also see, you know, photographers really looking to try to diversify where their revenue is coming from and, and, um, or even just like how they can stay interested in this, uh, in this craft, in this work. And so I think there's just so much interest around it. For you, how did uh, outdoor and adventure photography even become a reality for you? Wow, good, good setup and good question. Um, so adventure photography for me, I'd say it started in the adventures. Like that's what I did first. I moved to Canada from Australia when I finished high school and um, just I just wanted to be in the outdoors. I wanted to ski and then that kind of led me to stay on and I wanted to mountain bike. So the why I do this is really rooted in the activities and adventure part itself. The photography came later. I went to school for graphic design in Vancouver and then I worked, I got a job, I actually did a presentation on Arcteryx in school and then I got a job out of, um, even before I'd finished school at Arcteryx as a graphic designer and so then that was kind of the lily pad to get to photography because I was sitting at the desk, I was working with all these outdoor images. Arcteryx is a company that makes um, products and apparel for the outdoors like jackets and okay, yeah. backpacks and stuff like that. Um, so I was working with all these outdoor images and then I just didn't want to be the person sitting at the desk. I wanted to be the one out there creating the images. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, that's how I jumped And It wasn't when I first started, to be honest, it wasn't really called outdoor adventure photography. Then it was more um, siloed into ski photography and climbing photography. And, and now it's a little more broad and a little more general, but that was, that was my entrance into doing what I do now. Okay. Fantastic. So what were some of the things that you were first like, um, uh, like you said, it was it was like you were just interested in being outside, you were interested in being outdoors and actually adventuring. So you brought up, I heard skiing, was that correct? Like, what are yeah. all the things that like, and you are like down for you, you are up to uh, that just really excite you? Oh, there's, a, there's such a long list. Let's make it. I want to hear the list. <laughs> so I would say skiing from like, okay, I'll divide them by season. That's probably easier. Okay. Yeah, skiing, I like that. Yeah, skiing for sure in the wintertime. I actually was a snowboarder at the beginning. Um, but when I started shooting, I just, I actually taught myself how to ski because it was easier to carry a pack loaded with gear um, on skis than, and to get around that it was on a snowboard, especially to kind of like shimmy into place. So ski would be number one. Um, one thing I've learned on the kind of had to learn on the job is ice climbing. Like you, you're not naturally an ice climber coming from Australia. Sure. <laughs> so that's something I sure. definitely, 
I kind of learned on the job, got thrown into, I want to shoot this. So therefore I have to learn the skills to do that. Yeah. Um, I would say in the summertime, like my number one is mountain biking. Like my number one favorite sport is mountain biking, but it flip-flops a bit between seasons and kind of where I'm at, like um, climbing. I love being in the Alpine. Like I love Alpine climbing. I don't get to do it a ton through the year, but that's just, I love being up high. Yeah. Um, and then for water sports, I'd say like surfing, um, we, I don't shoot that a ton for our Turks because up till now we, we haven't really made appropriate, like we're more rooted in the mountains yeah. and kite surfing is like here based in Squamish. We can, like I can mountain bike in the morning and kite surf in the afternoon. So it has this amazing kind of ability for variety, yeah. um, trail running, hiking, trekking, and anything that gets me out into the mountains. I'm not into paragliding. I will say that's one thing I'm, I actually, find, I love it when I find sports I'm not into. <laughs> I don't don't need the gear for it and I can kind of just focus and narrow down a bit but yeah that's kind of a some of the main ones okay fantastic so um so Arc'teryx I want to make sure that I actually understand this I'm not familiar with the brand you know I'm just out here in like midwest Ohio cornfields that kind of stuff the adventure space is like not it's not like some people may like be really aware of this so Arc'teryx you know this is a a a clothing apparel brand is that correct correct yeah correct and we make hard goods as well but limited to backpacks and ski boots and shoes okay So one of the things that I guess I want to kind of get right into is, you know, I hear photographers wanting to get into the space of outdoor and adventure photography. And what I'm hearing from you is that it seems like that opportunity came through Arc'teryx. Is that accurate? Yes, that, yeah, that is accurate. I would say my past being a little bit different just because I've kind of, I would say almost grown up inside Arc'teryx, like um, my creative journey has been in-house and it's a pretty unique, if not one of the more unique positions to have because brands, I would say it's rare to have in-house photographers. Like I'm the only in-house photographer that Arcteryx has. Um, and we can get a little bit more into how that came to be, uh, later in the conversation, but to answer your question, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit, there's there's a lot to it, but it's a bit of a, a bit of an interesting journey of how, like I sit inside the creative services team. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the, the more traditional path would be to be a photographer and you start submitting images to outdoor magazines or ski magazines, and then you get a bit more well-known. And then, I mean, these days, that's not so much the case. It'd be more on Instagram, um, and the social channels. And then, you would start, maybe you'd maybe get an agent or you'd start, well, there's, there's a long path and I don't know how deeply you want to go into it, but well, I this is great. I've taken a very unconventional path to get there. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. I mean, it's one of those things that I, I think people want to know, you yeah. know, and so it sounds like, yeah, you, you had one path. There's always different ways to get into things. Um, and so typically it's like, uh, I think maybe the core that I'm hearing from you, though, is the thing that wasn't atypical is you were uh, already obsessed with adventure and outdoors. Like you were already like doing the thing that you loved, which was snowboarding, skiing, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and it sounds like that seems to be a pretty like critical piece of this. Yeah, yes, it definitely was for me because it started with what I love to shoot. And I would say that for people trying to get into adventure photography, um, I 
get messages and can say, I want to do this for a living. And then I'll look on their Instagram and just kind of get an idea of how I could help them. And they're mm -hmm. shooting not outdoor specific things. So I would say the first thing is just to, just to go outdoors and experience it and then start sh shooting that yeah. um, stuff, because that's a big leap to make. If you're not doing those activities already, if you want to shoot ice climbing and you're not currently an ice climber, start there. Start with <laughs> go, go buy an ice pick yeah. you know, and start going. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's huge though. Um, so I, I, I want to fast forward here a little bit just because I, I want, I want to just kind of like live in your shoes for a minute, if that's okay. This is purely selfish. I may be thinking a little bit about the audience. Uh, I would love to hear some of the things that, that you've, maybe some of the places you've been, some of the things that you've experienced, maybe there's a, if there's like a great back pocket story, if you're like, oh my goodness, I got to share this. Um, just to even like paint a picture of like um, what this job affords you, like what are some of the experiences that you've been able to have as an outdoor adventure photographer that keep you um, driving after this profession? my mind just goes to all these places all at once and I kind of try and group them into you know like the, the most amazing place I've been the hardest shoot I've ever done the, let's do the hardest yeah I okay. want to do the hardest shoot because <laughs> I imagine that there I mean it's got to be so challenging in the alchemy weather at times and just like I, I mean honestly I have no for me challenging is like it rained on the wedding day that's kind of hard my guess is like <laughs> you're dealing with things that like so many other levels higher in terms of, of things out of your control. Tell me, yeah, what's one of the most challenging, uh, you know, um, things you had to, projects you've had to photograph? I would say from a physical sense, uh, one of the hardest, like temperatures, the, is one of the hardest kind of factors that I deal with. And yeah. one that comes to mind today is a uh, shoot we did up in Northern BC. So British Columbia is really long yeah. and um, Northern BC is quite a far away, far, far away, even from here. And we were doing a shoot. It was a, um, a female, it was a women's shoot. And I can't actually remember the product now come to think of it, but the story was that we were going to go and do a base camp and fly in. So we would pack all of our gear and go and fly in for a week or two weeks um, into the middle of nowhere. I had an athlete who had this peak in their mind. They really wanted to ski. So we did the research and we got everything ready. We were up there and we flew in. And the day we flew in, it was minus 20 in the valley. And, oh, sorry. This is so, uh, I, I wish I could convert that for you for Fahrenheit. You know, it was really, really cold. <laughs> yeah. Negative 20. You said it was Celsius. Yeah. Negative 20 Celsius. Okay, let's do, I'll do it right now. Yeah, sure. You can keep sharing the story. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have those. I feel like I should definitely have those conversions in my head. Um, okay. And then, so it was negative 20 when we got in the helicopter at the base. And then I, I remember flying over and the glaciers and the mountains, and it was really windy because the helicopter was moving around a lot. And we had a 45 minute flight to get in. Yeah. It just shows you kind of the sense of scale. And then we got dropped off. And as we were landing, I said to him, how cold is it? And he's like, oh, it's minus 35. And then he literally just dropped us off and it was howling wind and it, and it got colder from there. Like we were at minus 40 um, for multiple days on end with wind, like the wind did not stop and where he kind of put us down. Cause we had all of our food and everything. Um, we couldn't really move from there. So we were on this ridge and it just howled wind and every, it was so cold. And it's the only time I've actually seen my camera freeze. 
but the batteries, <laughs> like I'd have to take it. We'd set up, you know, we'd go to skin across like ski tour across the glacier. And then I'd have to take the battery out in between every shot, all our food froze. It was, it was quite incredible. The things that froze, like suddenly all the things that were important, like your deodorant freezes, your toothpaste freezes, your apples freeze, you kind of stop eating because it's not really exciting. <laughs> You'll cook <laughs> and then it will freeze right away if you don't eat it right away. It's, yeah. It was just, it was hard, physically really hard. And, you know, I still have a job to do out there. So it's for me that the challenge is my own survival. Like I've got to, you know, be the same. I've got to be kind of a committed teammate as a camping partner and then you know trying to stay warm myself trying to keep my camera going trying to keep the team motivated and then also trying to bring back the photos and so that was it adds elements like these visual elements you can't ugh, they're just so perfect but you still gotta have working fingers to press the shutter yeah so that, that was a challenging one um i would say it was dig deep i had to dig really deep on that one when you're sharing this story, I just keep thinking about the secret life of Walter Mitty. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I'm just imagining that. <laughs> Imagine I love that, that movie. P.S. Negative 40 degrees Celsius is negative to four degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, is it? Okay. I yeah. I don't know how that works out. Um, I'm just going to, I trusted the calculator. It's, that was like the one, that's where they like meet apparently. Negative uh, 35 degrees Celsius is like negative 31 degrees Fahrenheit. Listen, I'm just trusting the computer. I think it knows more than me. Uh, I'll wait to get the DM from someone that says I'm wrong. <laughs> it's, that's insane. Um, so I'm curious in these conditions, like you're really having to rely on the equipment to perform. Is there certain equipment that's like specialized for this type of uh, a thing or are there certain lenses that like in that situation, are you just trying to like never change your lenses? You know what I mean? Like, like what's your, what's your typical setup um, for uh, you know, for a, for your average like project or you do change it out every single time. So Good question. But I would say the number one thing I look for in a camera is weatherproofness yeah. and battery performance. Uh, and I used to be on Canon, like completely on Canon. And now I've switched to Sony and I love Sony, but I didn't fully move over to Sony, like a Sony system until the battery life got better yeah. on there. I'm now on the A7R4. Yeah. And just because the I'd have to carry so many more batteries and Canon, Canon has in my mind, probably one of the most weatherproof systems that I've used. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using all the regular stuff that you would as a wedding photographer. Um, but how I manage that might be a little bit different though. Yeah. In that, in that case too, like uh, on those longer trips, like I won't have power. So we did actually take a, um, sometimes I'll take a solar kit, like if we've got a kind of a heli drop off. Mm. Um, and so I'll use a solar kit to charge, but in those conditions, we couldn't even, like it, we weren't seeing the sun. And so I had to really conserve battery life and manage that the most. The yeah. memory cards don't really change. The LCD screen in that particular shoot also went, like I've never seen it do, it just kind of went all fuzzy. Um, and the lenses, yeah, I'm changing lenses in wind. It gets really hard, uh, as you know, and especially when you have no protection, you know, like when we're away from the tents. So I do, you know, do pretty close, quick, fast changes of lenses. Um, the lenses actually did freeze because I would be breathing and, as the breath came out of my mouth, the lens, if I was in like a zoom position, 
the lens would get moisturizer on it and then uh, moisturizer, moisture on it. And so, <laughs> it needed it's such, a, it's such a great blooper. I love that. <laughs> it totally needed some moisturizer. Um, and so that's the only time I've actually really seen a lens freeze. But in addition to being up on the mountain, when it got really serious and the pilot actually said, there's a big storm coming in, like I need to pull you guys out of here. We yeah. ended up going down back to ocean level, the town we were um, facing out of was at the ocean. And then we went up into the, the mountains because we still had a certain amount of days we had to finish the shoot. So we went up into the mountains and ended up camping in the snow. And then it snowed like a meter and a half, so four feet. So then we had the opposite problem. Everything was really wet. So my lenses were, I was just dealing with fog. So I'd gone from the cold, which it almost was easier because everything was staying dry and frozen. Yeah. Yep, then yep. I went to, you know, plus one, plus two degrees Celsius. And so a couple above freezing and then everything was foggy. I was sleeping in a tent, so I had nowhere to dry anything out. So I'd actually almost say the colder one was easier to manage my camera gear and the camera gear survived better than in the wet condition. Yeah. All right, podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick pause here in order to give a thank you to the supporters of the SFP podcast, because if you're listening, it likely means that you have a small business or you know someone who does. And if this is you, you are wearing far too many hats. And some of these hats are amazing, right? Like being a photographer, but some like filing taxes, running payroll, not so great. This is where Gusto comes in. This is the solution, you guys. Gusto, G-U-S. T.O. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small businesses. I used to be on like an old school payroll processor from like 1982 and it was terrible. Gusto now has fast, simple payroll processing. Uh, this is the really cool thing. They automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Um, they make like, like W-2s, sending out 1099s, uh, incredibly easy to run. You guys, those old school clunky payroll providers, the one that I was on that I just left, uh, they just weren't built for the way that the small modern business uh, is meant to work, but Gusto is. You guys, no joke. I got really excited because I switched to Gusto before they contacted me uh, to come on as an advertiser. I'm like, this just makes sense. I actually use this thing. Um, the really cool thing too is everything is online, like the ability to sign, store, and organize all the employee documents. It's all online. It's all in one place. You guys, let Gusto wear one of your many hats. Uh, it gets better because for you podcast listeners, you get the first three months free when you run your first payroll. Try this demo out for yourself at gusto.com forward slash photo. That's gusto.com, G-U-S-T-O forward slash photo. I'm curious, you know, you've really made a great career out of this. When I look around, you know, I, uh, on Instagram, or whatever, and I, I just see, you know, like 18 year olds just kind of like traveling around, like photographing incredible places. Like, you know, just, I, I just see kids everywhere just documenting the most insane things. What is it? If you were to try to tap into this will require you to be pretty self-aware and not humble. Uh, and that's okay. You, what you've accomplished is incredible. What is it that you feel like has been the thing that is, has kept projects coming your way, like, like assignments and job opportunities? Um, when you think about your career, when there's kind of images everywhere, you know, um, why do people go to you, Ange? Whoa. Uh, I, would, I actually think it's 
as a photographer, you being as, um, what's the right word? I, I don't feel like they've come to me. I feel like I've kept moving and trying to evolve and develop mm-hmm. my skills and progress. And like, I'm so focused on just being a better photographer and being the best photographer I can be. And so that constant evolution, I think makes you still relevant over time. Like it's, it's, it's challenging to be a photographer and, you know, be still working, making money from it as well as progressing creatively. But I do think that if you're always moving forward and making your photos better, the, the client or the, projects will naturally just come because you're producing work at the best best of your ability and the forefront of what's out there. Yeah. Uh, does that answer the question? It does. No, it does. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just, what's true for you. It's like your, your head's down, your focus on continuing to advance your craft and, and there's results that come from that. No, that's awesome. That's right. dish- it's okay to brag. You know, it's like, Hey, I'm, I, no, just- I, don't get- <laughs> <laughs> I get really uncomfortable with that, those kind of questions, but I, I really would say, even though I'm in addition to that, even though I'm inside a company, so I work in house as a photographer, I've, and and it is my job, I've still had to work really hard to evolve as we've evolved as a company, as we've grown as a company. Um, And I've always been driven by kind of like my next vision in some ways. And I, I think I'm fortunate to have, you know, the job security, I guess, but that hasn't been just because I've had a job, like so much of that drive and the motivation and to even evolve our creative in-house has come from things that I've wanted to do to be, to produce better images than we did last season or the season before. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'd like to maybe step back a little bit now, and I want to put myself back in the shoes of someone who's listening to this, someone who's currently right now, they've got a family session around the corner and they're, maybe they're dreading it <laughs> or are they thinking about like, they hear these stories that you're sharing Ange, and they're like, oh, wouldn't that be insane? Wouldn't that be wild? I'd love to do that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, it sounds like creating these, um, creating a network is, is probably a pretty important part. I I already heard you say, it's like, first off, become obsessed with actually like getting out there and and just making it just to make it, whether or not someone's paying you go and make work outdoors and adventuring, um, and document that process. Um, and then I heard you say that, that there's a networking component of actually like reaching out to companies. Can you share a little bit more about like what it might look like to create connections uh, that could be meaningful towards advancing your career as an outdoor and adventure photographer? I would say the way to make the connections is to have a good portfolio, like have good work first, and then it will give you an easier, like I'll, I'll get emails quite often of people just, you know, saying, if you've got work, here's what I do. Um, if you've got something that fits, I'd love to work with you. And I would say when I get those emails, I target, I'm trying to think of it from, from the person's perspective, I would say target the companies that best fits your work or create work that best fits what they do. Yeah. Um, so that if you, uh, if you go to a company, let's say you go to Yeti, um, and, or you really want to work for Yeti as an outdoor brand, yeah. then know what Yeti does. And then when you go to, to approach them, know how your work is going to line up to bring their briefs and their vision and what they need to life. 
Yeah. Um, that might be, if I back it up even further than that, I would say if you're just starting out and you're wanting to make the leap from shooting family sessions to becoming an outdoor photographer, I think like a small pivot could be to pick five companies that you want to work for, uh, or you would, if you, if you envision yourself in five years, what are five companies you would want to shoot for? Yeah. And then how, what are their images and what kind of is there emotion of their images? Is it real? Is it gritty? Is it dirty? Or is it more kind of clean, fun? And then just almost create your own shoot. Like yeah. just, I, I, and I actually have an example of this. Like the first time I wanted to shoot, we hadn't shot anything in Europe. And this was a, quite a long time ago. And I just assigned myself my own assignment. <laughs> and I pitched it. <laughs> I was like, I really want to do this. And I think that people could, you know, if you, to make that leap, just assign yourself a Yeti assignment, what would that look like? And if it means taking a Yeti cup or a Yeti, for those of you who don't know, Yeti makes um, coolers and cups and stuff like that, like do a camping shoot and pretend that your hero is the cooler. Or <laughs> I just think, I think try and project like yourself in that moment where you're getting the job. And then what are the steps you need to take to get there? Yeah. I love that. Um, so pre being a photographer professionally, um, I, uh, I really wanted to be like a professional skateboarder, longboarder, really, to be clear. I mean, it's just a board with wheels. Uh, some people like to draw the distinction between short and long, but anyhow, uh, and, and so I, I was obsessed with it. I, I rode every day nonstop. And I had this idea of like getting sponsored by one of the biggest companies out there, uh, loaded boards and orangutan wheels. And, um, and so I just decided that I just, I just kind of started acting like I was <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, like I acted as if I was on their team. And so I would go out and I'd film videos. I'd, I'd like put all their stuff in it. I'd make them like custom, like motion graphics intros and, and, um, and I just did that. And then eventually I got brought on their team. <laughs> it's just like, I acted as if I was an investor into their business before they ever invited me to become a part of their team. And so I, I totally agree with what you just shared with people. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible what can happen when you embody that. Like when you actually just yeah. have this idea, you set it and you just go and start acting as if, um, and it's beautiful. I think it can feel overwhelming. Like if you're mm. just starting out and you want to suddenly have your picture on the front of Nat Geo, like it can, that, that whole journey can just feel so overwhelming. You're not even sure where to start, yeah. but I would say that it's not, you know, like this isn't rocket science. And if you just break it down into more actionable individual steps, I think we've all probably like any person that's working as a professional photographer has done some version of that in their career. Yeah. And if you're right now posting on Instagram and that's like your start and getting feedback, which is really, really good to your photos. And then just have a goal. Like I'm just going to make better photos. I'm going to create a portfolio of five images or 10 images, or even make one, one image that looks like it belongs to Yeti and start there and then build on, build on it from there. It takes time. It does really take time. Yeah. You know what you said though is, um, uh, is interesting that like we, we, it can feel daunting. It can feel overwhelming or sometimes we can just feel so small. I don't know. That's how I feel sometimes. Yeah. I look at like the big world or I look at these big brands and I'm like, Yeti, how can I ever get a job working, you know, <laughs> to create a photograph for Yeti? And yet the thing that I often remind myself of is like, man, people are beautiful and we're complex and we're magnificent and all this stuff. And yet 
man, people are so simple. And Yeti is just a group of people like, like behind this idea in our heads of like the size of what Yeti is. There's one person who's probably in charge of like replying to DMS. <laughs> it's like, or like there's one person who's in charge of like, I don't know, uh, uh, taking, uh, like looking at new prospects works. And if we can kind of just think about like, man, there's just a human behind this business. There's just another person, um, that, that I have the opportunity to connect with in a meaningful way. And, and then I think about it that way, it becomes so much more realistic, like so much more grounded of like, oh yeah, this, I don't want to be pitching to this huge company. What if I, what if I figured out a way to kind of reverse engineer, who is that person <laughs> on the other side and how can I connect with them? Um, you, you said it so perfectly. I think it's to think of these brands, like even the word brand sounds really big, but to think of we're, we're all just humans behind these big corporations and logos. And as you said, like Yeti has humans working there and, and, you know, Arcteryx has humans working behind it and every company is different, but we're all just people. Yeah. So yeah, a great way to connect first of yeah. all. I do a, I host a workshop at my house uh, a couple times a year. Uh, the abundance workshop is what it's called. And um, so I've opened one up here uh, for April and I, and there's been people who've applied to it. And, um, uh, and so I just go through the applications and I like, look to see like what's going on. And, and then I just text people like, Hey, this is Ben. I got your application. The amount of times that people will be like, is this really you? Or like, and I'm like, yeah, it's like, listen, I'm just yeah. some person in Ohio. Like, I'm not like, this isn't crazy. Like, honestly, I'm just a, like, I'm just some person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it just makes me chuckle sometimes, you know, that uh, how, how we like magnify things bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, Absolutely. Anyway. We all do it. And no matter where we are at in our journey, we still do it. We create things to be bigger than they need to be. Yeah. I feel right now, I feel like Sony is a big, gigantic corporation. Sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, it doesn't matter where, where you are at. I totally get this. You'll share it. I want to get a little bit more, um, maybe in the woods a little bit, a little bit more tactical. Tactical? Sure. Uh, I'm not sure what the right word is. Um, I, I guess I'm curious from like a business model stance, when you're an outdoor and adventure photographer, um, my guess is that maybe you're, you're taking on some projects, you know, like at a flat rate for the for the fee, or I'm sorry, for like the assignment. And then I imagine there's kind of this other space where you're like you're licensing out images uh, to be used in certain ways, and um, that's at least what I'm thinking in the back of my mm -hmm. mind. And I guess yeah. I'm just curious from like a business model standpoint. It's a very different kind of idea. Than, it, than coming from the portrait space, you know? With the yeah. portrait space, it's like, hey, it's B to C. I'm just going to supply this family with some great photographs uh, for their walls, and then that's it. So for you, um, are you licensing out work for different assignments to different companies? And, and do you mind kind of giving us a brief overview? I know this is a huge question, but maybe a brief overview of, of a little bit of the business model, just so that way, if someone's interested, if they could have an idea in the back of their head of like sure. what it would look like to monetize this. Sure. Uh, I, I will say like I'm in-house, so I'm a salaried employee, but knowing from my friends as, who are photographers and how we hire people, um, and maybe this is a good perspective actually for people to have because it's hard to know how different companies do it, mm -hmm. but we, I would say some of the ways that it's being done, there's not much money in, in print photography in the action outdoor sports world. I would say people, brand like working for a brand is probably the best 
way because it's more you get paid either by like a work for hire contract or by day like we do a lot of day rates if we're contracting something out um, or project rates even because if uh, outdoor projects might run for x amount of weeks or we don't do it so much but there's um, I have friends who are even on I've one friend who's on an expedition right now so he would probably get a project rate um, that's a prorated day rate over 30 days or longer um, I think there people are definitely like licensing fees we might even hire somebody to do a project and then we'll have licensing fees for x amount of years with worldwide rights or rights per channel uh, but then if the photo gets continues to get used we would then license that fee beyond that so I think mm. a way to make money is brands for sure start with like brands is a good one licensing I think I think there's still money in stock um, mm. licensing world. And I'd be curious of what your listeners, they probably have um, ideas there too. And I would say that I'm trying to think of, I'm just using like in specific channels, there's still editorial work going on. Um, a lot of it's more moving on to, to online platforms now in the outdoor space and specifically kind of action sports. Like there's a couple of ski magazines that are, taking their um, content online. So if you're more interested, the, the brand world is more like the commercial photography side, but the editorial world, I think there's still a lot of opportunity if you're an editorial photographer. Say, say we're going to do a, um, I have one good friend who's a photographer and he's someone I looked up to for a long time. His name is Matthias Friedrichsen, um, ski and mountain bike. And he, he still does so many stories and he pitches those stories. Like so many of the ideas come from, from him and his motivation and his hustle. Um, so yeah, there, I think there's lots of different ways to, okay. to, to make money. Um, and I think the business model really depends on where you are, what you shoot and which kind of lo geographic location you're in, whether it's North America, Europe, or um, Asia Pacific. Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was a big question. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, there's a lot of different ways, uh, but I also knew that there, there's a lot of ways that are really beyond my expertise in terms of my knowledge gap of like, uh, of what I'm familiar with. Um, that's awesome. Well, so Ange, from here, you know, uh, where do you see like the next, you know, I know you've been with um, Arcteryx for the last nine years. Is that correct? 15, 15. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nine as a photographer. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So 15. Um, yeah. I mean, these type of assignments, I, I often hear wedding photographers saying like, I don't like, I don't think I could do this for like, you know, so long because it's just so it's hard. It's hard work getting out and, and adventuring for you. Do you see a limit there? Or are you just like, no, I'm going to be out there. Like I'm going to be, <laughs> and I'm going to be adventure and I'm going to be documenting for as long as I can. Where, where do you feel like you fall in there? Yeah. I, I think that being, having such a physical job and, I work on um, photo shoots that have run pretty lean. Like we're not running with a huge production crew. Like I'm carrying my own pack. I'm carrying my own camera, my own skis. <laughs> I wish I had a ski concierge. That'd be fun. Um, <laughs> I'm carrying my own, all my own food. If we go for multi-days, I am by myself. So I would say my first, the first thing that we'll give out will be my back. <laughs> yeah. But right now it's doing so, doing pretty well. And I actually train 
for that. Like I try and be really proactive in the physical side of my work, um, even to be able to keep up with these athletes. Like I do a, a lot of my work still happens at a computer. The pre-production all happens with me not being outside. So that the physical side will be, will get more challenging, I would say, yeah. um, as time goes on. But for me right now, I love it. And I will do it for as long as I physically can. I see my work um, for the next two years. I really want to focus on amplifying women just mm. because that's a pretty unique position I have in um, the work I do and the space that I'm in. And I just amplifying women in the mountains. is just something I'm pretty passionate about. So that's kind of a big focus. And I think as I, I love so much the storytelling part. So I love the commercial sh shoots for sure, but going deeper into story, that's where I kind of want to see um, my work go from here. And actually that you said something before that made me think of this. And if I could just add in a, add a, add in a point is that I actually shot weddings um, years ago as a way to teach myself how to learn how to shoot a story in a day. Hmm. So I, you know, I've, I've always, kind of there's been things I wanted to focus on um, whether it's creatively or technically and I intentionally went and shot some weddings just because I think that was the best training for me to learn to shoot a story in a day hmm. before I really shot much editorial stuff and yeah. so I think we can all learn from each other in different sectors of photography or different in different parts of the industry yeah. um, and I think to your point before about if you're shooting family portraits and you want to make a bridge be present in what you're doing and see if you can learn the skills there um, before you go and apply it to some, to, you know, like you don't need to make that jump tomorrow or today, you know, just do what you can to learn as much as you can with what you're doing and then know that you want to move in a different direction. It's awesome. Can you tell me more about your desire to amplify women's voices? You had mentioned in particular in the mountains and, and um, tell me more about that of what you mean by that and, and what that looks like for you? I feel that, so it's something I've wanted to do for a long, a long time. When I actually first started at Acteric, so I didn't, we didn't make women's products. And so I shot mostly with men and I, I love hanging with the boys in the mountains, of course. Um, but I think there's a real, there's a lot of women coming up in the action sports industry that aren't getting the level of exposure. And I think that I see it in um, mountain biking, and this is not something, mountain biking is not something I shoot day to day, um, but I see these women coming up that maybe don't have sponsors yet. And I just think I have an opportunity uh, to use photography as a, like a gift to give them a bit more exposure. So if I find someone that's not quite, you know, not, not sponsored, but this is kind of the trajectory they want to go on for their career, maybe I can help boost them um, to to move a bit further, a bit faster. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. Thank you, Ange. Yeah. Um, I'd love to connect my audience with you um, where they can learn more about your work, um, what you're up to. Maybe there's someone who's listening to this who's like, <laughs> who's, a, who's a mountain biker. <laughs> you know? Who's like, man, I need to connect with Ange. <laughs> can you share where people can see more of the magnificent work that you produce, uh, where they can learn more um, from you, about you? Can you connect them? Yes, for sure. And it would be a pleasure. So I'm most active on Instagram and even then it kind of takes a backseat to doing the work. <laughs> so um, if it takes a couple of days to respond, give me time. Um, and that's at Ange Percival. 
and Instagram. And then my website is AngelaPercival.com. And I would say to see most of my work, it's on Arcteryx.com, A-R-C-T-E-R-Y-X.com. Awesome. And the spring stuff just launched um, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, that's where a lot of it is. Yay. Thank you so much, Ange, for taking some time uh, to chat with me and the audience today. Thank um, you. Yeah, I really. Thanks so much it. for having me. Such a great conversation. Yeah, I love hearing. I, there's so many more stories I want to hear now, and I have all these questions that are running through my mind of like, <laughs> how many? I wonder how like what's the goal? Like, come back with how, how many images? Uh, uh, an assignment? I got. There's so many other things, but <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to have another conversation. I think. Part two. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, Ange. Thanks, Ben. Podcast listeners, thank you so much. I hope that you truly enjoyed this conversation with Ange as much as I have. Please go and look at her website. Her work is incredible. She has a new website that's going to be launching here as well. And um, and just from this conversation that I've had, uh, I can just tell personal and, and how connected she is. And so remember, we're all just people. So don't feel shy to send me over a message or if you need anything, if you need something from Ange to message her as well. I'm sure we'd more than oblige. And um, listen, I can't wait to see you guys in the mastermind group or on Facebook. Otherwise, we'll tune in for the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Until then, bye.